0: Hey, just want to say how glad I am that you're here today. I mean, of all the other things that you could have been doing that you said, look, I'm going to set time aside to honor God, to be in his house, and hopefully learn more about him. And you braved the sharp shards of the parking lot as you walked on in and uh, you came out in a service that maybe isn't the most convenient time and you're here and I just honor you for doing that I honor the five o'clock people uh, who are watching this on video that you've given up your seats in the morning hours So that others would have seats and places to be in and just thank you Thank you for honoring God in that way and being in this place and hopefully at the end of the day You'll go man. That was absolutely worth our time. We're starting a brand new series It's called what I hate about the Bible and let's just be honest. There is there's a lot of things in the Bible uh, to hate and to be, I mean, first off, why is it that the sins I like are wrong? I mean, why is that, right? Or, you know, I mean, why why does God let bad things happen to good people? I mean, I just don't understand, because I've got a list of people that bad things should happen to, and they all seem to be doing fine, and then good people, and and how come not everybody goes to heaven? How, how come God just doesn't, like, give everybody a ticket and you get to go in as long as you don't lose the ticket? You know, how come not everybody uh, makes it into heaven? And it, there's just stuff that sometimes is hard to navigate and you go, look, if I were God, I think I would do that differently. I don't understand why you decided or why you said that. And we're just going to spend the next couple of weeks just unpacking that together and hopefully coming to a better place and a greater appreciation, maybe a better understanding of what God was doing today, we're going to tackle this question. Simply says, "How come the Bible's so hard to understand? I mean, why? Why did God make it that way, and why is it just such a hard thing sometimes to read? I mean, let's just be honest. Genealogies. Why are genealogies even in the Bible? I mean, you start reading, and it says Bada Ford was born, and Bada Ford had a son, and his son's name was Shuda Bada Honda." And should have bought a Honda, had seven sons, and they were snowy and dopey and happy and sneezy. And you're like, what, what, what in the world? And why is it there? And you flip forward and there's still three more pages of genealogy. And you're just going, I don't get it. I would have never stuck that in the Bible. Just, it's like, it's hard on purpose. Or let's just be honest, there's some weird stuff in the Bible. I mean, there's just weird stuff. How about, thou shalt not cook a baby goat in its mother's milk. Oh, thanks, that's exactly what I needed to know today because that was what we were doing for lunch and now we're going to change our minds and <laughs> weird stuff in the Bible. And then there's just times it's hard. It just It's almost like the Bible on purpose is trying to be confusing on the deal. About the time you think you're kind of understanding it and you're getting it and then Jesus just throws in a parable. It's like, no, no, I was tracking with you and then some guy climbing a tree. I don't get it. I don't get it. And it's just moments you go, wow, does it have to be this hard? Why, why does the Bible end up so hard to understand? And sometimes let's just be honest. Sometimes it feels like algebra class. It feels like it takes an awful lot of brain cells and you're not sure it really matters in the real world. And we sometimes feel that way about the Bible. And here's Here's what I just want us to unpack today for a minute. What if what if God actually made it a little bit hard on purpose? And what if what if the fact that it's a little bit hard to understand and it takes some effort on our part to get to the bottom of it actually brings more meaning to it? What if What if that's how it needs to be? And I'm just hoping, I'm just hoping that I can spend the next 30 minutes with you and that you'll walk out of here and go, no, 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 I haven't changed my mind. I still think it's a hard book and it's tough and you have to really dig in and you have to really concentrate when you go there. But you know what? That's actually the way it ought to be and that's the best way it could possibly be. And I am fully, ready for this? I am fully committed to whatever effort it takes to dig down in there and figure out what God is trying to tell me for my life. And I don't care that it's a little bit hard to get there. Okay? So grab your Bibles. Let me see if I can change your minds a little bit today. If you have your Bibles with you, go to me with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. And if you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible and you work to the left, uh, you're going to find this book of Ephesians. Ephesians, chapter 4, starting in uh, verse 17. And, and here's the first blush at it. Here's the first thing that you and I are going to tackle together about why the Bible is sometimes hard for us to understand. And it's simply this. That one of the reasons the Bible sometimes doesn't seem to make sense and you go, how in the world can that be true and how would that ever work in my life is because you and I, as we came to Christ, bring a whole bunch of baggage with us. We bring a whole bunch of how we used to do life and how we used to think and what our mother told us was true and what we learned from our friends in school. And we bring that and suddenly you hold how we have always understood life and how on some occasion it felt like maybe even it kind of sort of worked. And now the Bible says something that is so opposite, so remarkably different that you and I go, how in the world can that possibly be true? It makes no sense based on how I've lived my life up to this moment. So here it is. It's, it's Ephesians chapter starting in verse 17 and this is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Ephesus and talking to a lot of fairly young Christians who have just made a decision to follow Christ but now they've come into the church and they've brought with them all of their old ways of thinking and processing life and they're struggling with the same thing that you and I are struggling with and saying some of this stuff just doesn't make sense. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Here's what Paul says. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. He says, look, this this is a big deal. This is something you have got to do in your life. This isn't an optional lesson. I'm insisting that you begin to start doing this. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. So here's what he's saying. You used to have a whole different lifestyle. You used to have a whole different way of processing life and thinking. And the thing is, you've got to stop doing life that way. You've got to stop thinking that way. Because now that you've stepped into Christ, all the answers change. And this is going to be horribly confusing for you if you try to bring that into this new life. That you've been called to live. Matter of fact, he goes on to say that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. He says, look, back before Jesus, when you were living, you get, it wasn't working. It was absolutely futile thinking. It's one of the reasons you came to Christ is because that old way of processing life wasn't getting you anywhere. So why are you bringing that old way of processing, that old way of thinking into the kingdom? They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of hearts. He says, look, this old way of thinking, this old way of processing life was like doing life in a dark room. You ever done that? You ever gone into a room that you may actually be familiar with where all the furniture is, but turn out the lights and suddenly this becomes a horrible navigate. You're bumping into things that you kind of sort of knew where they were and you're hitting things that you forgot you left in the floor. And he says, look, this old way of thinking is like navigating life in the darkness. And here's the crazy part. Your hearts are so hard. That even as you've come to Jesus and now as you begin to see things in the Bible, rather than just admitting this didn't work, you're actually challenging the Bible. That's why it's so hard for you to understand is because you're thinking that way and asking God to still live by your old rules. You get that we live in a culture, we live in a society whose answers are all different than God's. See, we we live in a culture that says the guy who dies with the most toys wins. It's okay to use each other's bodies for sexual pleasure as long as we both consent. If somebody hurts you, Don't get angry. Get even. Look out for number one. And you get that what God would say in this moment is, guys, 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 guys. That is stinking thinking. It's just bad thoughts and it doesn't work and it takes your life to all the wrong conclusions. And no wonder when you're still processing stuff through the old way of thinking and the things you learned before Jesus, no wonder when you look at the Bible, you go, what? What? Love my enemies. What are you talking about? They didn't even ask for forgiveness. What do you, what do you mean? Wait till, wait till marriage. Why? And he says, look, as, as long as you bring stinking thinking with you, as long as you don't peel away the darkness, the Bible's not going to make a whole bunch of sense to you. Some of you know this, that uh, we have a huge missions concern over in Kenya. And uh, a gal by the name of Mama Sapporo runs an orphanage there. We send multiple missions trips to that orphanage. We spend a whole week with the orphans. It's just a life-changing uh, trip to go on. Part of that trip is to take about a day or two off just to get a break. And uh, so we take people on safari. And so you're out there, it, just unbelievable. You're, you're walking around, or actually riding around with lions. Just an amazing trip. But part of that a safari is this. They take you to a Maasai village. Now the Maasai are a warrior tribe that still lives very much like they did hundreds of years ago. These guys are walking around with spears. And it's real. I mean, that's just how they still live. And within Maasai culture, your wealth is measured by the number of cows you own. Big deal to own a bunch of cows. Most important thing, most valuable thing in their culture, cows. So here's what they do. Uh, because the cows are in danger at night from lions and other animals preying on them, they bring the cows into the center of the village every single night. They build their houses in a ring all facing inward, and they connect each of the houses one to another with uh, stickered-type fences. And then they herd all the cows into the middle of the village. They close the gate. The cows spend the night in the village. Anybody want to guess what the cows leave behind in the morning after they've spent the night in the village? And so when you go to visit the Masai. You go to the center of their little village, and it sounds like this. You never wear those shoes again. I'm just telling you. And you, and you just you go, whoa, guys, wait, 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 wait. Do you realize the amount of disease that you're fostering? and there's flies there's flies everywhere and they're crawling all over the faces of their children and they're they're licking in their eyes you're just going why would you do this this is just such a horrible decision in your life and you know what they would say it's worked for us up till now this is how we've always done it this is just how our fathers did this is how we do it this is this this is this is what makes you a Mass And he was but don't you realize that, that just the simple thing of moving those cows... I mean, put a, put a higher fence around them. Put more guards around them. But don't live in the filth. Don't, don't navigate life from the poop. Don't do that. And they would say, no, this is how we've always done it. You get that that's exactly what you and I do as Christians. We come to Jesus and we bring the past. We bring all the stuff. And suddenly scripture says to us, whoa, 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 move the cows out. I mean, build a different, I mean, get away from the disease. And we go, man, that's just, that makes no sense. Based on how I've always navigated, I mean, wow. And the word of God sounds hard and it sounds foreign. And like it's not making sense. And you know what the real answer is? It's our stinking thinking that's making it hard. You say, well, you know, hey, wait, wait, wait. How do you turn that? How do you, how do you do this different? And the reality is this. Scripture just simply says, You keep doing life the way you used to do it. It's like looking, it's like looking through at life through a dark screen. And the only way you're going to do this is allow the word of God, especially you ready for this? Especially in the moments you don't agree, especially in the moments you go, How in the world could that ever work in real life? I mean, wait a minute. And you allow the word of God to begin to peel back the darkness. There we go. And the interesting thing is that all of a sudden you begin to see a totally different perspective on life. You begin to understand things because you're no longer looking through the dark and every once in a while, are you ready for this? A biblical truth starts to poke its way into your life. And what you do next in that moment is what's going to make a huge huge difference for you. It's the businessman who reads the passage that simply says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And he knows. He knows in his heart he's in the midst of doing his biggest business deal ever. And he's already fudged the truth a little bit. See, here's the deal. In his industry, everybody lies. Everybody creatively exaggerates. And so you promise people that you can deliver quicker than you know you can. You tell them that the technology is going to be there and that the technical support is going to show up in 24 hours when it can't do it and it's less than 72. But you tell them that so you get the contract. It's this. You ready? It's the industry standard. And now all of a sudden he's reading scripture that says, no, 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 no. In everything, be honest. And I promise you that in that moment he says, man, Scripture. Scripture just doesn't doesn't take into account real life. It it just doesn't get it. But what if, what if, you ready for this? What if in this moment, he does the critical thing, the scary thing, and decides to tell the truth? And he goes back, he goes back to his client, and he says, look, I just got to be honest with you and tell you that... uh no we'll we 'll never be able to deliver that product that early we just we will not be able to do it and uh, no the technology the support uh, yeah. it won't be that fast, and he loses the contract and I can tell you that in that moment, if he is not careful, he'll begin to think to himself and say, "See." I told you, I mean, the Bible, the Bible is just hard and I don't think it makes sense for real life. But I want you to imagine that 30 days later, another client comes and it's three times the contract of the old. And now he's left with a horrible dilemma. What do I do this time? And the word of God comes back and says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. And he tells the truth. And he gets the contract. And as the client is signing the contract, he looks and says, you know why I chose you? Because you were honest. And here's what I'm just going to tell you. At that moment, because he actually applied scripture to his life. He is suddenly going to be going, dude, are you kidding me? Man, the Bible makes so much sense. Wow. You know, I totally understand that whole integrity stuff and honesty stuff. And I mean, whoo, the Bible's pretty darn smart. It's the young lady and she's dating and she comes across second Corinthians where it says, do not be unequally yoked. She goes, you know, God, that's just, that's absolutely the last thing that I wanted you to say to me. I, I mean, I, wow. Because here's the deal. I mean, it's been six months since anybody asked me out. And I know you're trying to explain this part of my life. I get that you're trying, but I just, if I, if I break up with him, how does this work? And somewhere by faith, she breaks up. She says, I, I'm just, I'm just going to trust that the Bible knows better than me. And she watches as this guy goes to date the next girl. And she watches him lead her into decisions that bring a lifetime of regret and pain. And then walk away. And suddenly in that moment, she goes, wow. Wow. The Bible makes an awful lot of sense. Wow, the Bible is so clear. This is the person who's been wounded and fighting with anger. And as they begin to dig through Scripture and try to navigate the Word of God, suddenly the Word of God says, love your enemies. Forgive those who hurt you and abuse you. And suddenly there's a portion of life peeking out from behind the Bible and you go, wait, th- no, 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 this, this can't be, they haven't even asked for forgiveness yet. How can this possibly be true? This doesn't line up with anything I know about life. And in that moment, they simply out of obedience say, look, okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to obey. And they choose to forgive the person who wounded them, even though that person has never even acknowledged the wound. And suddenly they feel a freedom they've never felt before. And guys, here's, here's all I'm saying to you is, when you and I begin to take the parts of the Bible that are hard, and maybe most importantly, the parts that are hard, to understand how could that possibly work, why would I ever do that? And you and I begin to live them. I'm just going to tell you that suddenly life begins to look a hundred times more clear. And suddenly you and I come back and go, oh my goodness. I have an absolutely new perspective and a totally clear understanding of how to live my life. And is it possible, just asking, is it possible... That the reason the Bible still seems hard for some of us is that you and I still have enough stinking thinking in our lives. Enough places where we haven't yielded to the hard parts of the Bible that we still can't see through the darkness. And that it's less about the Bible being hard to understand and more about our lack of obedience. And is it even more possible that the parts of the Bible that seem hardest to us are actually the areas we need to work on next? Second thing, second reason why the Bible is sometimes hard to get and hard to understand. Grab your Bibles one more time and go with me to the book of John. It's John chapter 16. Going to be the left where we just were together. It's to part of what we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 16, starting in verse 13. This is Jesus, and, and get this moment. Jesus is saying to his disciples, look, here's the deal. I'm getting ready to leave And up until now, anytime you had a question, anytime you needed to make a decision, you just simply walked over the campfire and said, Hey, Jesus, you know, this is what I was thinking about. What do you think? That's not going to be true anymore. I'm getting ready to go to heaven. You're going to have to have a new way of navigating the toughest decisions of your life. And Jesus said, I've thought about this. Here's what I'm going to do. John chapter uh, 16, verse 13. Here's what it says. But when he... The Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. So here's what Jesus says. Look, I may be leaving, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm actually going to send the Holy Spirit to live with you and in you. And when you have the most critical decisions of life to make, when you're trying to figure out what to do, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. Now, guys, if you haven't figured this out, this is a remarkable moment because every single one of us who calls Jesus Lord, who has asked Jesus Christ into our lives, immediately received the Holy Spirit. That God said, I am going to live within your life, and in the hardest moments of life, I am going to guide you to the right decisions for life. As long as you listen, it's an incredible, remarkable moment. So let me ask you a question. How do you know? How do you know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? How do you know that it's his voice and not your own thinking or what your friends are? How do you know? How do you know when he's trying to guide you? There's an interesting thing that, guys, some of you guys know I was a youth pastor for a lot of years, and there was kind of an exercise we would do with students in our youth group. And on a given Sunday, we would say, we'd call a kid up out of the crowd, and we would blindfold him. In front of him was an obstacle course that we had set up ahead of time, that he hadn't had a chance to see. And we would tell the kid with a blindfold, you can pick two of your friends to come and help you navigate the obstacle course. And so he would pick two friends or she would pick two friends and we'd bring the two friends up. And here's what we say to the friends. Look, as they're doing the obstacle course, you are going to call out to them and tell them, turn right, turn left, step over the thing that's there. You get to do that. But here's the deal. You can only give one command every 15 seconds and you can never raise your voice. We then would get two other kids out of the audience and we would say to the two kids out there, Your job is to get him to go the wrong way And so you're going to be calling out commands constantly You can call out as many as you want to and you can be as loud as you want to Anybody want to guess what would happen? The kid would fail the obstacle course every time because despite the fact that we had positioned his friends there, we inadvertently begin to listen to the most constant and the loudest voices we hear. Guess what you and I are prone to do? We are prone to listen to the most constant and loudest voices we hear which means the TV set has huge influence, and what we see in movies and what our friends are doing tends to turn us. See, we all, we all tend to tune in to the loudest, most constant voice. There there was an interesting second part to the experiment. We would bring the student's mom, and we would say to the mom, you get to tell the student how to navigate. We would leave the dissenting voices. We would leave the other ones chirping as loud as they could, chirping as constantly as we could. they could. And guess what would happen? Every time, you ready for this? The student would recognize his mother's voice above the other voices. Why? Because he was familiar with it. He was so familiar with his mom, he could hear her voice above all other voices. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if the hardest moments of the Bible are there? Because in the hardest moments of the Bible, you have to lean in, listen that much more profoundly to make sure that you are hearing the voice of God. And that actually the hardest moments of the Bible, the parts that seem most confusing, the parts that don't seem to work, are the moments that are actually training you, helping you become familiar with God's voice. So that when the rest of the world begins to chirp and talk, you will hear his voice and be so familiar with it, you can tune the rest out. Let me me see if I can explain how that works. Let's say one day you're reading Romans chapter 12. And Romans chapter 12 says, hey, look, every single person has been gifted by God and has been given an absolute ability that was intended to be used to minister to the lives of others. And so you ought to find your place of service and use your God-given giftedness for the greater good of the body. And you read Romans 12 and you go, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, that's just another one of those hard parts of the Bible. It's a stupid part of the Bible because okay, here's the deal. I've got soccer practice and I've got all sorts of commitments and there's the, uh, there's the fantasy football pool. I, I got so much going on in my life. There's just, there's no way I have time to serve at church. But imagine this. Imagine as you're driving down the road quietly in your car. You hear a voice in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit. And it the Holy Spirit will not let you get past Romans 12. And the Holy Spirit begins to say, look, 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 look. You know it's true. And, and it doesn't really matter that it's hard to do or that it's inconvenient. It doesn't matter. You ought to be serving. And let's just imagine that in that moment of conviction, you say to yourself, hmm, I wonder, I wonder if that's God. And can I just give you a clue? When, whenever you've got a voice telling you that Scripture's true and it's probably not what you want to do, it's probably God. Okay, so just, just a hint. And you go, well, you know, hey, maybe, maybe this is God. And so you come to church the next weekend and you walk in and you go, okay, look, I, 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 think, I'm, I think I'm feeling convicted about this serving thing. So I thought I would volunteer to serve. Do you have something that like, is like once a year serving? Do you have something like that? You know, maybe once every six months serving. What, whatever the minimum level of serving is, you know, I, I'd like to volunteer. And you begin to serve. And suddenly you show up on a Sunday and you're using the gifts that God has given you. And things are happening and lives are being changed. And you're going, oh my, I think I was created to do this. I, Wow! Where has this been all my life? And guess what you're going to say in that moment? I'll bet you that voice I heard, that nudge I experienced in my car, I'll bet you that was the voice of God. I'll bet you that was God dealing with me. And what if, what if, oh, what if? What if the hardest parts of the Bible, the parts of the Bible you and I don't understand or we don't want to do and it doesn't make sense, and what if those moments are there so that you and I have to lean in and listen to what God is saying that much? Because what if God is using that to teach me what his voice sounds like and to make his voice more familiar? Because, guys, 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 you ready for this? When it's written in the Word of God... That's easy. That's easy. It's a written exam. But you realize there's an awful lot of life that's an oral exam? There are a ton, guys, there are a ton of life changing, forever decisions that are not written in Scripture. And don't you want to be sure that when you make that decision, that you are hearing the voice of God? What house you're going to live in. You you realize that's a huge decision. It's going to change the school district that your kids go to. It's going to change the friends they have. It's going to change the neighbor kids. Probably the people you hang out with are going to be determined by what. Wouldn't, Wouldn't you want to live in the house God wants to position you in? I mean, your life could change based on which house. What about this one? Which job do you take? you got one job that says, hey, it's it's better pay, looks like a modest promotion, but you know, there's kind of some squirrely people. You look at this job and you go, you know, it doesn't pay a lot. I'd be pretty tight. It almost even looks like a demotion to go over there. Which job do you take? And and if if this job is going to be a place where they never acknowledge you, never figure out, you never get promoted. And a matter of fact, there's a whole set of values in that organization that you're going to spend the next two years fighting and banging your head against? Wouldn't you want to know that? And wouldn't you want God to be able to position you in the job that maybe didn't look that amazing, but they're going to see who you are. You're going to be on the fast track to promotion. You're all of a sudden going to have a huge influence for the name of Jesus. You're going to have Bible studies in the break room. You didn't know that. Wouldn't you have wanted to hear the voice of God as you made that decision? You realize, guys, 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 you and I are going to make a ton of decisions. There's nothing in writing for. And before you make that decision, wouldn't you want to be sure that you were hearing his voice above all the other chatter? When I got ready to go off to Bible college, I I had in my heart a school I thought I wanted to go to. My family pushed, they said, Lynn, we think that's the wrong school. As a matter of fact, they suggested a school that was literally like 600 miles in the opposite direction. Something in my heart, despite what people were saying, I felt God was saying I had to go to that school. I met my wife at that school. you realize how different my life would have been? And, and I think it was probably a good decision. No, I, it was, Lisa, it was a really good decision. And and matter of fact, guys, you know what? I, I don't even know that my life is where my life is. I mean, my wife has been such a significant life. I mean, my life has changed for having her as my wife. What if I hadn't been able to hear God's voice in that moment? What if I'd gone to the other? And don't you, in those critical moments of life, want to know you know the voice of God? And so here's my question. How good are you? How good are you at hearing God's voice? And if you go, Lynn, I I just don't even know that I've gotten to where I think I have any confidence in that all. Is it possible that that's because you haven't spent enough time in the Word? Listening to his voice. Maybe this is one of the reasons it's hard. It's because it teaches us how to listen. And then finally, just real real quick, one more reason. That I think God just says, Hey, look, it's hard and it's okay, and I don't care that it's as a matter of fact, it's better that it's hard. And if you grab your Bibles and go with me to Psalms chapter 119, and it's pretty easy to get there, just go to the left. As a matter of fact, Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible. Psalms 119. Smack dab in the middle. Psalms 119, verse 2. Here's what it says Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all of their hearts. You realize what David is saying when he writes this song. He's saying, Look, this whole finding God, this whole thing going on, this isn't easy. I it feels like sometimes God is hiding. It feels like sometimes I pray and there is no answer. It's like I have to seek after God. I have to go look and find Him. And as a matter of fact, He says, "This is I, some, I have to do this with all of my heart. This is hard stuff." Verse ten. Jumping down a little bit. I seek you, David says, with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And David's the first one to admit and say, hey, this, this, this isn't easy. But maybe it's not supposed to be. Maybe going after God is supposed to cost us some effort. Hey, what's worship? Worship is any time you put God in his right place. Which means, ready for this? It always involves sacrifice. And worship isn't just singing, guys. Now, the reason singing is worship is because when you and I stand here and we've got as bad of voices as you and I've got, that's sacrifice, okay? But the reason singing is worship is because in a moment we declare, God, this is where you belong and I don't belong there. Do you realize that just coming to church today was worship? Because you had to get up today and go, look, I could be sleeping in right now, but I've decided to God is more important than that and I'm going to sacrifice my sleep. Some of us, you, you could have cleaned house. There's a hundred chores sitting at home waiting for you when you get there. And you said, no, 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 no. I'm going to sacrifice getting ahead and getting on top of that and I'm going to go honor God first. Some of us are here sacrificing, watching the Cardinals lose. All of us. Here. I like the Cardinals. I do a little bit. So I, I do, but I'm, you guys get worship. Worship is any time I put God in his rightful place, which means it will always cost me something. Which means you're ready for this. If reading my Bible was easy, it wouldn't be worship. Ladies, you ought to get this. This ought to be simple for you. Because here's the deal, you think it's a big idea, it's a big deal that your husbands continue to court you even after they've married you. And you realize that to men, this is the stupidest thing ever. That men go, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute, why am I dating her? I already caught her. But in the heart of a woman, this is a big deal because here's what you're saying. There are a hundred other things you could do. And there's a hundred other things that could preoccupy your mind. And it could be getting forward in business. And it could be watching Monday night. But there's a hundred other things you could do. And when you do the hard thing of putting me first. When you set those other things aside. And spend your time chasing after me. It thrills my heart. Because I love to be chased. Now, this makes no sense to a man. Men hate the chase. We love the catching, but we don't like the chasing part of it. But ladies, there's not a woman in this room who shouldn't be an avid Bible reader. You know why? Because you get this. And your heavenly father is saying, I love the chase. Every time you open scripture and come seeking me thrills my heart and I know I know in that moment you love me okay men this is a little different think of it as honor because men we understand honor and God is simply saying in this moment choose choose to honor Me. And guys, here's the deal. Honor always costs. Honor is never given cheap. My grandpa Mike, uh, when World War II broke out, here's a picture of grandpa Mike. Despite the fact that he had a hundred other things to do, he could have kept dating his childhood sweetheart... He could have let other men go off to battle and he could have had two or three years of getting ahead in business beyond all of his friends. He could have just said, look, I'm not interested in risking my life. Instead said, you ready? I love my country. I love my family. And I will do that which is hard and sacrificial and honor them. Guys, I'm just going to tell you, I've never served in the military. (laughs) I have no problem honoring a veteran. If If you're a person who has given two, three, four years of your life for us, your act of honor is worthy of my honor. And is it possible that God said, hey, this thing of coming after and seeking me and reading your Bible, it needs to be a little bit hard. Because in the fact that you decide to do the thing that isn't comfortable and isn't easy, you bring honor to the table. That you would get up in the morning... And you would set your alarm a little bit early and you'd say, look, before I do anything else in this world, before I go anywhere else, I am going to put God in his rightful place. And I'm going to dig into a Bible that sometimes is hard to understand because the first priority of my life is to seek after God and I will give him honor as the first act of my day. Not because it feels good, but because it honors him. And how powerful would it be, I'm just going to ask, how powerful would it be if in this moment of us just saying, look, it is, it's, it's, it's hard, but maybe, maybe hard is good. Maybe hard makes me examine whether or not I've still got a lot of stinking thinking in my life. And maybe, maybe hard makes me lean in and listen that much more closely for the voice of God. And maybe hard is what makes it special and thrills the heart of God and brings honor to the moment. So maybe it being hard is a good thing. And I am going to choose. And how cool would this be if you and I just said, all right, for the next 30 days, we're going to do this series for 30 days. How cool would it be if you and I went home today, walked into our bedrooms, turned that alarm back 10 minutes and said, the first thing I'm going to do in my day is honor God with something that's not easy and not simple, but I'm going to honor him. And I'm I'm going to spend the first five minutes reading a chapter of the Bible because that's all it probably takes. I'll spend the second five minutes praying that God would be the first thing in my life every single day. And even though it's hard, it thrills Him because it is hard. Let's pray. I'm just going to ask you. (laughs) I'm going to ask you to do the hard thing. I'm going to ask you to dig into Scripture that's not always easy to understand. I'm going to ask you to read through genealogies and wild verses in the Bible. I'm going to ask you to read parts where he pokes at your sin and says, Hey, that's exactly what I want to do in your life next. And I'm going to ask you to get up and do it as the first act of obedience of your day for the next 30 days. Because because it thrills the heart of your lord if it was easy it wouldn't matter as much dear lord jesus we love you and we just we're just going to say the words of david i will seek after you i will chase after you and i get that the chase isn't always easy Sometimes it's just the idea that we were willing to push through. We were willing to do that which was uncomfortable, that brings the greatest joy to your life. And God, we're just going to honor you with pursuing you, chasing you all around the Bible. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.